Welcome to One Hour in the Past, a podcast series presented by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Center and hosted by me, Adrian Petrie, Visitor Services Coordinator, and Kathleen Powell, Curator and Supervisor of Historical Services. Our community is filled with diverse stories, and we recognize that our story begins with the Indigenous peoples of this land. We acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on lands that have been inhabited by Indigenous peoples for millennia, and we would like to honor the centuries of Indigenous peoples who walked on Turtle Island before us. As museum professionals, our jobs are many-fold. Managers, curators, interpreters, researchers, and much, much more. We often find ourselves pining for some more interesting and perhaps wild history in our daily work. Our podcast begins with the idea that a simple search for information can lead you in some strange and wonderful directions. Like in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, historical research has a tendency to lead you down a winding rabbit hole that takes you off your original path towards some new and amazing historical places. Each of us has just one hour to research a topic. 60 minutes. That's it. We research separately and then come back together to discuss where one hour in the past has taken us. If you're joining us for the first time on One Hour in the Past, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head back in the archives to catch other episodes of historical adventures on topics like hats, soda water, Thanksgiving, telephones, and stuffed animals. On this episode of One Hour in the Past, we'll be discussing our research into Canadian Prime Ministers. Let's get right to it and head down the rabbit hole. Enjoy the episode! As our regular listeners know, we like to start off each discussion with a definition of what we're talking about. Today's topic uh, is Prime Minister, and a Prime Minister is defined in the dictionary as a Prime Minister is the head of a cabinet and the leader of the ministers in the executive branch of government, often in a parliamentary or semi-presidential system. Okay, I'm going to start with my research summary first. Because you went first last time. Yes, I did. You're right. Believe it or not. I do. I remember. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> okay. So I began my research. I know everything about the prime ministers. <laughs> so this was actually one of those topics where it was, wasn't was hard to research. It was hard to know where to go. Because like, I already know everything. <laughs> it was hard to come, in, come up with a direction. I totally agree yeah, with you yeah. there. So I started at the idea that, of course, the prime minister is not listed in the Constitution or that the job of prime minister is yeah. not listed in the Constitution under the name of prime minister. There's sort of an allusion to it in our Constitution, but also the idea of it being a constitutional convention. Right. Sounds like you'll probably run upon that too, so we'll talk about that. I literally came upon it like one sentence, yeah. so, but you probably covered more of it than I did. The last thing I wrote down, and I actually, like, some, I have to, I have to be honest that most of the time my research is like 56 minutes or like 62 minutes. <laughs> this was actually bang on 60 minutes. Nice. And the last thing I wrote down, the very last thing I wrote down, so this is where I ended up. Jane bore no children herself but acted as stepmother to Alexander's daughter from his previous marriage, an unorthodox arrangement for their times. Wow. That, sounds, that actually sounds super interesting. Now I really want to know where that goes. I, and it's, um, I actually came up with a game. So we're going to play a game oh, when, cool. we do, uh, when we do my research, which is coming up. Very yeah. soon. <laughs> okay, where did you? So my uh, start summary. I started on uh, the Library of Parliament website. Okay. I actually looked in the St. Catharines Red Book as I always do yeah. as a start. I checked the index, and there was no listing for prime ministers in the index of that book. Did you? Oh, we'll get there. I would have had to search each individual person yes. separately, which I did not do. But yes. I do know that several prime ministers have been to St. Catharines. Yes. But they uh, were not listed as prime minister in the index. Several have? I only know of one. 
Um, That's interesting. I think Did you, that... Is it part of your research? No. Okay, yeah. Let's talk about that now because it's not part of mine either. Um, when King Edward or mm. the Prince of Wales came to yes. uh, unveil the cenotaph, he was part of a larger party of individuals who were with him because of a, a parliamentary convention that was happening just in general in Canada. Mm -hmm. And um, they were with him, and one of them was the prime minister. Okay. I think it was Mackenzie King at the time. Yeah. Um, but they, he technically didn't have a, an official visit right. uh, to... Um, He's just here. To St. Catharines. But Justin Trudeau's been here. Stephen Harper's been here. Right. Even in my remembrance. And then I'm sure Pierre Trudeau came here at some There's point. There's that famous photo of Pierre Trudeau at the Penn Center. Right. So yeah. there you go. So That's several have was, been here. I was thinking, I can only think of one. But I guess, yes, um, Trudeau Jr. and, and Stephen Harper. Um, was that same, do you know that that was the same trip when Mackenzie went to the Mackenzie Printery? We have pictures of that in the collection of Mackenzie oh. Brasserie out in Niagara-on-the-Lake. It could be. I can't yeah. recall exactly the occasion. There was some other larger yeah. uh, Commonwealth convention right. happening, and they just happened to be with the Prince of Wales at the right. time. And, uh, and then um, the opening yeah. of the Fourth Canal. Right. Would have been uh, 1932. Yeah. The Governor General was here for sure. Yeah. But. I've seen that picture. I wish I could think in my head <laughs> Who it was? whether or not a right. prime minister was in that picture or not. We'll look it up and put it in the footnotes. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, for sure. It, they, you're right. It could just be the governor general. Maybe the prime minister didn't come. Yeah, I can't recall. Right. Um, so I started there with the Library of Parliament yep. website is great. It has a really cool listing of every prime minister. Cool. Um, so what I started with is Justin Trudeau being the 23rd prime minister. And then what I ended up with, the very last thing I wrote down is related to what we just talked about. Um, the monarch's representative, the governor general, must select the prime minister uh, from the person most likely to command the confidence of the elected House of Commons. Typically, it's the leader of the party that holds the largest number of seats in the House of Commons. That's the last thing I wrote down. So I only did that kind of research, like you were talking, like just above that is the Office of the Prime Minister is not in any constitutional document. Uh, so I literally did two sentences on that. I was nearly at my time limit right then. So it'll be good to go back and hear more about that. Yeah, and I, well, we're going to talk about that right now because that's where I started. Prime Minister, the Office of the Prime Minister, the job of the Prime Minister is not listed in the Constitution, which is really funny. And I interesting, not funny, but interesting. And I think that a lot of the discussion in this podcast will probably be somewhat related to comparisons between the types of leadership between Canada and the United States, because the influence sure. of the United States and the leadership style, yeah. not the, not the actual governing and not the actual like structure, but the leadership style of the president and its comparison and influence to uh, the office of the prime minister um, is underestimated. That influence is underestimated. For I think. sure. And in, you and I have had this conversation yeah. before. <laughs> Especially in terms of how the public views the prime yeah. minister and the power of the prime minister and the authority the prime minister actually has versus uh, what they think that he has. So that's kind of interesting. And we'll get we'll get into that later too. There are other there are other uh, peripheral issues that relate to that um, that that we'll see in part of my research. So uh, it's not listed in the Constitution because what is listed in the Constitution is that executive authority is formally vested in the sovereign and is exercised on his or her behalf uh, by the governor general, who then appoints, delegates that uh, power to um, the ministry. Right. And it just so happens that the ministry needs a leader and the leader of that person is... Since it's a group of ministers, the leader is the first among them. And so that's how we come up with the right. name prime minister. And of course, the governor general, as you mentioned, appoints the ministry to implement policy and, and government, basically. And apparently the constitutional conventions, you know, are interesting because they can change. They're not like a constitution. Uh, eventually, constitutional conventions sort of slowly morph. And it wasn't always the rule that the prime minister or the first minister in the cabinet had to be an elected member of the House of Commons. Right. They just had to be a member of parliament and a member of the parliament. And so that means that you can see prime ministers who are actually members of the House of Lords. Um, well, we did have two prime ministers who were only in the Senate 
who we did? who governed from the Senate. <laughs> who? Um, we had. Um, Was it Thompson and Bowell? Let me find it if I have it here. And who took over after McDonald died, basically? Right? Um, I know we've had ministers from the Senate. Bowell was one of them. Bowell and Thompson. I think you're right. I didn't yeah. write down the second one, but they were the only two. Oh, no. Oh, oh no, it wasn't. It was John Abbott. Oh. So they were one of two prime ministers to directly govern from the Senate. But you're right. Since that time, yeah. they the convention has been that you have to be elected. And so yeah. if you don't get elected, you have to... Like, if you are if you lose your seat, someone else in your party basically has to give up a seat so yes. that you can get elected in their riding so that you can sit in Parliament. Yes, but also if you die. So the conditions yeah. for that, for Bowell and Abbott to be um, appointed from the Senate were that Johnny McDonald went and died in office. <laughs> yeah. And instead of calling an election, because the conservatives held the right. confidence of the House and of the Senate, it, which we know because McDonald appointed all of his friends to the Senate <laughs> right away, so of course they control the confidence of both houses, Governor General just said, well, you have the confidence, so you can continue to organize that. And the party, which was on, like the party system in Parliament, was very connected between the two houses up until yeah. 10 years ago, um, really, <laughs> when things started to change. So um, the conservatives in the House and the conservatives in the Senate worked together. And so you would just, it was maybe not one caucus, but the caucuses worked together. And so you would just, somebody would be chosen, right? Yeah. But I think Abbott went and died as well. Or did, did he write, just resign? Did I write that down? Or did he retire because he yeah. aged out? I was going to keep that page open, but let me get it. You keep going yeah. and I will pull it up and we will, because the Library of Congress has a great, or the Library of Parliament has a great list. Yeah. You can just pull them right up right there. That's so, uh, well, it looks like I learned something, though. I didn't realize that Abbott and Thompson, um, no, Bowell and Abbott, sorry, held the office of Prime Minister from the Senate. That's really interesting. But anyway, back to that Constitutional Convention is that you, you did have people not elected being Prime Minister. Right. Because the office of prime minister, we don't vote for a prime minister. Right. You and me, we don't vote for a prime minister. Unless we live in that person's riding, we don't vote for a prime minister, period. We vote for an MP, a member of parliament, and the person who that caucus elected as their leader is the prime minister. Right. If they win, if that party wins the number of So it's their peers needed. that are essentially choosing the leader of the party. There's a huge criticism of the system is that the yeah. leader is actually chosen by, depending on the size of the party and how many people from the uh, party convention vote, could be a thousand people, maybe 5,000 people are actually electing the leader of the country. A lot of the criticisms of the system is that uh, the leader isn't directly responsible to the people. He's only responsible right. to his party or yes. her party, it makes it difficult because our that's our system doesn't work that way. Um, and so when, but people vote that way. So people vote for a leader, even though that's not how our system works. And, and the influence of the United States and the celebrity of politics today has really, has really shifted the effectiveness of our system. So Abbott died in office, but he didn't die while he was prime minister. He was still a senator but he wasn't the prime minister when he died. So he... He just took over for a little while, in term, essentially. When McDonald yeah. died, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, unless there was some sort of emergency, that likely wouldn't happen today, you know, or if something like, unless it was very sudden. But Johnny McDonald's death wasn't sudden. He was right. dying for weeks and went on and on and hid it from the press, right? And it was, a, a you know, the huge speculation. And so he, really he should have resigned because his health was so poor. I mean, he was an alcoholic, so <laughs> that, unfortunately, that disease does a lot of terrible things to your body. And, uh, but, you know, he was in super poor health for a long time and should have resigned. If someone like, what if a prime minister today was in that kind of situation, it would be expected that they would resign for sure. Anyway, so our, uh, the one thing that's is good about the prime minister is that if you want to look at the electoral record or who died in office, you can just go <laughs> onto Wikipedia yourself and look it up. So you don't have to wait for us to uh, 
Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> figure sure. Out, or go on the library. Of or go on the library website. parliament. Yeah, we actually recommend the library parliament website. It's a great site, <laughs> <laughs> and it's got some really interesting information on it. For honestly. sure. Yeah, yeah. So that got me thinking, and I thought about this every election. Actually, this is uh, got me thinking about the handover of power, um, because like, how does so, for example, like when a monarch dies, the next in line is instantly the new monarch. Um, they do have to take an oath and all that stuff like that, but it's like, and they have yeah, to be yeah. declared and all that things, but they're instantly the person. Um, the president of the United States is president until inauguration of the new president. So even like the elections in November, but in, but the inauguration is yeah. in January. So there's a transition time, but uh, usually it's assumed that the prime minister stops being prime minister with the drop of the writ. So at the beginning of an election. Right, but right. actually the person maintains executive power through the election. Because somebody has to. Because somebody has to. Because <laughs> what would happen if something happened and the governor general doesn't have the authority to do stuff like that, right? So in a, it, it only becomes tricky when the incumbent either loses or retires. So if the incumbent isn't running in the election... They're still prime minister until the new prime minister takes over, and that's more simple. But if the prime minister is running in the election, they're still actually the prime minister until they're either beaten or re uh, oathed in, re sworn in. Right, but it's kind of like uh, the same situation where they have like a lame duck kind of situation with even municipal politics, right? Like they're not supposed to make decisions that are, they're not supposed to make decisions that are going to have massive impact on, unless it's an emergency. Yeah. They're supposed to just have regular business happen. They're not supposed to appoint a whole bunch of new judges or appoint a new Senate or anything like that. That's the idea, right? (laughs) Yes. Is while you're running, you don't stack things so that the next guy or girl has a problem with their... Yeah, uh, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was reading a lot about the parliamentary system and how the conventions have morphed over time oh yeah but then i was pretty bored because i know a lot about that stuff already (laughs) and so i decided to more or less look up interesting stories about the individuals who have held the office (laughs) that's what i did (laughs) (laughs) because i was like this is boring (laughs) i'd rather hear funny stories about these people right so i looked up a couple of stories, but nothing is really out there. However, there is a great book called Being Prime Minister, written by J.D.M. Stewart, published by Dundurn, um, mo- like in the last 10 years. So I recommend that book. I didn't haven't read it, but I have to buy it. <laughs> but if you want to hear some funny stories, Tim Cook, our, our pal historian Tim Cook, yeah. uh, reviewed the book and said that it was fun. So... Um, if that's not a glowing recommendation, <laughs> I don't know what is. So if you're interested in uh, a book about with funny stories from being prime minister, especially the early <laughs> prime ministers, when um, their their lives are out of public memory, uh, being prime minister would be a fun book. Uh, and then I started to think about, wait a second, what about the wives? Wives of prime ministers. Oh, that's a great topic. Are, awesome. <laughs> are thoroughly understudied and uh, talked about and it kind of kind of got me annoyed a little bit um but so i started looking at the uh, various roles of prime minister's wives okay or not some don't take anything uh but i remember in the last election or the previous election a lot of a lot of the media began calling um the prime minister's the current prime minister's wife the first lady. Yes. Which is entirely inappropriate because of two reasons. First, <laughs> first reason, the order of precedence lists the monarch and her spouse or his, his spouse, depending on who it is, and the governor general and the governor general's spouse above the prime minister and that person's spouse. Right. <laughs> So, so obviously it's an not unofficial glamorous media title. It's not an official <laughs> title. And the role of first lady or the role of being Does this really pri- annoy you? Yeah. The role of being the prime minister's wife isn't a thing. So right. stop trying to make it a thing. <laughs> As they say on Mean Girls. It's never gonna be a thing. Because uh, and this is the second reason that it annoys me, but also that it's not a thing is because it, um, this is a clear influence 
first lady. Yeah. The actual first lady, the one of the only. I don't know if some of the other presidential systems have first lady as the title, but the first lady of the United States is actually an office, is actually a role. Right. Um, and is not elected, but it, you get that role by being married to the president. So, uh, but it is a clear sign of the influence of the United States and the structure of the United States government on our system. And not only that, but also the celebrity factor of politics. It's the celebrity factor of politics, right? for sure. That yeah. we need to give the spouse of the prime minister, and it's not just the current prime minister, there are others, some sort of role and spotlight, yeah. uh, whether they want it or not. Um, In recent years, most of them haven't really wanted that role. Uh, correct. In my mind. Yeah. Some shy away from it. Some do sort of half and half and some take it on fully. But anyway, we have a head of state who has a spouse <laughs> yeah. who is top of the order of precedence. So <laughs> stop trying to make it happen. And I think the important part of all of the, what I'm saying, it's not just being fussy, <laughs> is that the prime minister is not the head of state. The prime minister is meant to be disposable yeah. because the head of state is not disposable. And uh, that whole idea keeps them humble. Sitting in the House as a member of parliament keeps the prime minister humble. And it's super important that they not try to act like the monarch because we actually have one. I think it, it goes back to this non-elected uh, thing, right? Like we don't elect the prime minister himself or herself we yeah. elect the party and the party chooses so really it could be anybody in the party yeah so i agree with you yeah yeah, yeah. but that led me to looking <laughs> at maybe some of the prime minister's spouses who did take on or did not take on okay. uh, some of the spotlight uh and some of the sort of soft work um of the role quote yeah. unquote of the prime minister's spouse um Maureen McTeer yeah. uh, is the only spouse of a prime minister to continue her own career. She was a lawyer really? while her husband was prime minister. That's interesting. I could be mean and say that that was just smart because her prime minister was only prime minister yes. for a very short time. <laughs> and so maybe resigning in her own position wouldn't have been a good career move. Uh, but of course, her husband was Joe Clark. Yeah. Some spouses don't take on any role some shy away completely actively uh one would be jill turner right uh she kind of she may have taken on some charity functions um events and that kind of thing but she didn't take on a specific patronage yeah, yeah. as it would be <laughs> um and sheila martin as well did not take on and, right. and shied away yeah, quite yeah. a bit again paul martin didn't serve for as prime minister for a super long time. No, so. and John Turner either. And John Turner either. So <laughs> there may be some coincidence or maybe a, a, a factor of the length of term of office right. that, that uh, it was possible. There's there's lots of stories of more of the modern uh, spouses of prime ministers. Laureen Harper, Aline uh, Crutchier, and Mila Maruni took on charity work yeah. and some more of the celebrity aspects right. of the spouse of the prime minister. Um, but the earlier wives of the prime ministers, <laughs> let's say the, the 19th century yeah. and the early 20th century wives of the prime minister often took on a social, uh, role and maybe a charity role, yeah, depending yeah. on what, what their role was. But like some of them were just basically like, uh, organizers for the party in their community, right? Yeah. They didn't even live in Ottawa. They stayed yeah. and lived in the community that they were in, but they yeah. gave tea parties to... Or wives people, of yeah. other supporters yeah. and stuff like I that. I think about like Agnes McDonald, who would often invite yeah, McDonald's yeah. Um, opposition for dinner uh, intentionally, even though he <laughs> didn't want them there. There's lots of stories of, of him being upset about who's coming to dinner. And I think like those those are the types of roles. Uh, Zoe um, Laurier yep. as well took on that kind of instigator social instigator yeah but at the same time in that time period especially between mcdonald and laurier the wife of the governor general really was the social uh leader right in, at least in ottawa yeah, so yeah, let's yeah. say like the elite of of the government the wife of the governor general was really 
sort of the first lady and actually took on an active yeah. role as first lady of the um and frequently the they country. were royal family yeah. members or so related somehow or they were part of the peerage in england yeah you don't have a choice when the, <laughs> when the when the person inviting you to dinner is the duchess or the princess yeah. or the whoever um <laughs> directly related to queen victoria you don't really you don't get <laughs> to be the top no, exactly so there were a couple of prime ministers who weren't married at all. Right. Or were widowers when they were in office. Okay. So uh, Mackenzie Bowell yep. um, was a widower. Uh, Bennett was a widower. Uh, Mackenzie King never yes. married. no. And Kim Campbell was divorced okay. uh, when she took office as prime minister. But then I thought, what, what a fun game this would be <laughs> if we try to match the... Prime Minister's wives uh, with their maiden names. To... Ooh, so that could be interesting. You, I'm going to give you a maiden name, and you have to guess the Prime Minister okay. that she was married to. Let's see what I can do. Are you going to give me the first and last name? I'm going to give you first and last name, their okay. maiden names, and I'm not going to go in order. Okay. Because that, that would be too no, easy. No, yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> Olive Freeman. Uh, I don't know. She was married to John Baker. Ugh. <sighs> <laughs> I'm not going to do very well at this. I know. <laughs> let me give you. Let me give you an easy one. Margaret Sinclair. Uh, that must be Margaret Trudeau. Yes, correct. Yeah. Laura Bond. I don't know. She was married to Borden. Okay. Jill Kilger. Yeah, I don't know. Turner. Turner. Yes, you, I know you said it, and I can't remember. <laughs> Here's an easy one. Maureen McTeer. We just talked about. Right, her. Joe Clark. Very good. Yeah. Aline, uh, oh shoot, I can't pronounce her last name. Chenet, I think? Yeah, that would be Chen, Aline Chen, Chretien, yeah, though, right? Very good. That one I know. Yep. Sheila Cowan. Um, she was married to Paul Martin. Okay. So Sheila Martin. Here's a, This is probably an easy one. Laureen Teske. Laureen um, Harper? Yes, very yeah. good. Married to Stephen Harper. Uh, here's the easiest one. Sophie Gregoire. <laughs> Trudeau. Sophie <laughs> Gregoire Trudeau. Trudeau, that's right. <laughs> and uh, she's actually the only person to keep both her names while she's... Um... Oh, interesting. Okay, here's a good one. Isabel Cox. Mm, impossible. <laughs> it's so hard. Any know. guess? Uh, let guess. me guess. Just um, throw a dart. Let me pick. Let me look at the list. See if I could pick someone. Yes, uh, you could. You could have the list. Yeah. Arthur Meehan. Yeah! Wow! Good guess. <laughs> what a guess. <laughs> that's a great guess. Zoe Lafontaine. Oh, that's um, Wilfred Laurier. Yes, very good. Not Zoe's got a, That's a distinctive name. Yeah. So, she was such an interesting character too. <laughs> yeah. Mary Bethune. Oh, you know what? I came across this one. I'm not going to get it right, but uh, um, maybe Charles Tupper? Somewhere no. in that era, right? In the late 19th century? Yes, in that era. Abbott. Abbott, of course. Yes. Okay, so you get a freebie for Mary Bethune, who's married to <laughs> Which Abbott, I had to Google to of get. Of course. Francis Morse, you got Tupper. Yeah. Mila Pavitsky. Oh, she was Mulrooney. Yes, yeah, Mila Mulrooney. Very good. Jean Renault. Yep. Who's a French prime minister? Louis Saint Laurent. Yeah, very good. Very good. Uh, Annie Affleck. It's an early prime minister, right? Yeah. I would say Johnny McDonald, but he, because he didn't he marry twice. Yeah. Um, I'm only doing the ones where, because some of them married twice. um, I'm only doing the ones where they were in office. Oh, you know what? I came across this. Maybe it was Mackenzie. No. Oh, I don't know then. Annie Affleck was married to Thompson. Oh, okay. Jane Sim. There's only one left, or two left. Jane Sim. How about, uh, <laughs> who have we even known? I know, now you have to remember who we're talking about. Uh, did we say Pearson? Nope. Not yet. But it's probably not. It's not Pearson. <laughs> I don't know. Jane Sim was married to Alexander Mackenzie. Oh, interesting. Our second prime early, minister. Early one. Mar- uh, Marion Moody. So let's go with uh, Lester Pearson. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Marion Moody was married to Lester Pearson. Very good. And, of course, Agnes Bernard. Uh, that was John A. MacDonald, right? Yeah. Yeah. Second wife. They were actually married in London right. in 1867 when John A. went over to get Confederation going. Yeah, and it, he was at a party and spending money that he won gambling or something yes. like that. 
<laughs> oh, what a life. What a life. Let's calculate your score. The 19 wives of prime ministers. You got 15 out of 19. Very wow, good. That's better than I thought. <laughs> of course, I had to look at the list. <laughs> you had to look at the list of prime ministers, but you didn't yes. cheat. Yeah, no, people at true. home, if you wanted to play along, you can totally look at the list. <laughs> so that led me to the whole thing about how we don't talk about prime minister's wives other than that they're the wives of the prime minister. Right. Which is no way to go through life. Can you imagine just being defined by what your husband does or what your spouse does. That's not fun. Um, and that's a lot of basically how history has treated these people. And these are their own people, but we right. know nothing about them. And in fact, most of the early prime minister's wives get a sentence on their Wikipedia page or any other reference to right. them on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so a good example is, of course, the one that I sort of read earlier. Jane McKenzie was the second wife of Canada's second prime minister. Jane bore no children herself, but acted as stepmother to Alexander's daughter from his previous marriage, an unorthodox arrangement for their times. That is how Jane Mackenzie is remembered in history. Oh, isn't that awful, eh? So uh, it's a great segue into the fact that most of my stuff that I gathered was trivia. So we're oh, going to cool. do a little trivia contest. Awesome. But we're going to do that. Because you said you know everything oh, about shoot. prime ministers. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Are we going to do an av a break we're gonna in do, We're going to do, we're going to, we're going to watch Adrian uh, embarrass himself after the break. Yeah. Did you know that the museum has another podcast? It's called Museum Chat Live. If you're looking for a great local history podcast covering a huge range of topics, Museum Chat Live is for you. The podcast just finished up its fifth season, so there's a lot of listening to catch up on, including the episode Adrian just put together about a strike that swept Niagara shipyards in 1861. Here's what it sounds like. The 1861 shipyard strike is significant because it is an early example of organized labor action which included workers from across the industry. There are few other examples of similar labor action from Canadian history during this time. There is little to no historical study of these events and only a few primary source documents mention the strike in any form. The majority of this story is pieced together from newspapers with many gaps. And so, while the research continues, many significant questions remain. Subscribe to Museum Chat Live on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Okay, so oh gosh, this is going to be embarrassing. Of 23 <laughs> prime ministers, uh -huh. how many of them were lawyers? Some of them had more than one career, but yeah. lawyer was included in Seven, their eight, career. 9, 10, 11, 12, uh, 16 for sure, 17, 18? 16. 16. So I gave credentials to two people <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't have. Um, do you, oh, do you have the answer? Okay. Um, Martin. Yep. Chrétien. Yep. Uh, Campbell. Yep. Mulrooney. Yep. Turner. Yep. Uh, Trudeau. Yep. Pierre Elliott Trudeau. Yep. Um, Diefenbaker. Yep. Saint Laurent. Yep. Bennett. Yep. William Lyon Mackenzie King. Yep. Meehan, Arthur Meehan. Yep. Uh, Robert Laird Borden. Yep. Wilfred Laurier. Yep. Thompson. Yep. Abbott. Okay. And McDonald's. So I added Tupper and. Uh, Joe Clark to that list, I think. All right, okay. So that got me to the wrong number. That's all right. An interesting fun fact related to people's careers are their occupations online on the uh, Library of Parliament's website. It says that William Lyon Mackenzie King, the very first item under occupation, he is noted as gentleman. <laughs> He's the only one who has as his occupation gentleman. It was uh, gentlemen. That's anyway, hilarious. It's very strange. Everyone else has, well, you know, 
You can unusual. assign the words very strange to It's true. <laughs> William uh, oh, we'll get King. to some of that. <laughs> Across his entire life, not just his career. Okay, so. Poor guy. 16 to 23 uh, prime ministers were lawyers. Who was the oldest prime minister? <sighs> Turner? No. The oldest prime minister was Charles Tupper. Oh, yeah. Okay. He was 74 years old, nine months and 29. <laughs> he was by far the oldest. Yes. Actually, he a lot a... of our prime ministers were younger. Yeah. And he was a very long serving MP and he was a member of the Canadian Parliament before Confederation right. as well. Right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Been, he had been around since <sighs> he probably fought in the American Revolution or something. So on the flip side of that, <laughs> who was our youngest prime minister? Oh, Justin Trudeau. No. no, Joe Clark, Joe Clark, <laughs> Joe Clark. I take it back. Everybody Joe says Clark. Justin Trudeau. Yes, it's true. Joe it's Clark true. was like 39. 39 years yeah. old, 11 months and 29 See? days. 39. Yeah. I, I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> That's good. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> who had the shortest prime ministership? Kim Campbell. No. Charles Tupper oh, had the course. shortest ministry. Yeah, for like um, three days or something. 69 days. Right. He was the seventh prime minister. Uh, Although he him. was a very long-serving public figure, as you said, and was a father, father of confederation. He was also the minister of canals and railways, and a lot of people blame him for moving the canal away from downtown right. St. Catharines. Right. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> he served in par in um, parliament for 22 years. Oh, wow. So yeah. pretty significant. Yeah. And and not just as an MP, as a as a important minister for a long time yeah probably this, yeah yeah you know he didn't get the title of deputy prime minister but he was the deputy prime minister for a long time under okay. McDonald. Yeah, yeah yeah for sure um this one i'm sure you'll ha you'll get no problem at all who had the most terms in office mackenzie king yes mackenzie king had six terms in office goodness let's continue with stump i Adrian. think that's all the uh Is that all the trivia it might be that was fun we'll see if we come across any so after that, I was interested in specific people Yeah. because when I came across this, there was just some weird information. Um, and I was like, this is strange. I want to know more about, uh, about these particular people. And so I came across, I wanted to know more about Charles Tupper Yeah. and what happened to him. The great enemy of St. Catharines. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked him up. He never actually presided over Parliament as the Prime Minister. Oh. So an election was called in 1896 before he assumed office. Yeah. So he took over after um, his person before him died. And it was Mackenzie Bowell. Um, so he died and Tupper took over. But before he took over, they called an election. So like you said, technically you're not the prime minister during the election, but he is. Um, he was the in interim leader of the party, right. making him the prime minister. Yeah. So he never actually sat in Parliament as the Prime Minister. And he never actually right. won an election as Prime Minister. Right. He lost the election two months later. Yeah. Uh, but he was the last surviving father of Confederation. He died 48 years after Confederation. Wow. Which is pretty impressive. That is impressive. Um, and then I came across this really interesting fun fact about Mackenzie Bowell. Did you know that he is the only Prime Minister to be forced from office by his own cabinet? Wow. <laughs> you often hear of those types of stories over across in the UK, like Margaret Thatcher, for example, although she yeah. technically wasn't forced, but she basically was. That's interesting. Is there more information about the story? Like what happened? Um, a little bit. It was related to the um, uh, Manitoba school question and okay. the Riel, uh, Louis Riel sitting in parliament situation. But essentially, he had certain politics that I think his cabinet was expecting and he didn't always follow the politics they expected him to. Right. And also related to him being forced out of office by his cabinet, he's actually the only prime minister to die without a state funeral. Wow. And in fact, he was buried. I want, or he was, um, he died and he was buried in, I think it was Belleville. Also had no leading politicians even showed up at his funeral. And then I went off on another tangent, but then I wanted to find out more about this guy. And so I went to the Dictionary of Canadian Biography and looked him up specifically. Um, and so I, that's where I found out the fact that he was the only one of two prime ministers to direct the government from the Senate. Also found out that he was the Grand Master of the Orange Order in North America, but then he also didn't always follow his own politics. The guy from the Orange Order mm. who was killed at the start of the Red River Rebellion yes. was from Bowell's uh, constituency. 
Oh. So there was a connection there somewhere wow. as well, which I thought was kind of interesting. I didn't do, go into that too much, but it was interesting. That's so complicated. Yeah. And then uh, he was in a he was in the militia. He served in um, at Amherstburg during the U.S. Civil War, just in a kind of security capacity. And then he also served during the Fenian raids wow. shortly after that. The Manitoba schools question was the big thing that dominated his term in office. Yeah. And it was because the um, Manitoba school questions, essentially they wanted to have as part of their entry into into confederation, they wanted to have Catholic schools funded by the government, essentially. Um, and most people didn't want that, uh, except for the Catholics in Manitoba, but as a member of the Orange Order, his supporters would have expected that he would not be in support of um, of having Catholic schools funded by the government in Manitoba. But in the Constitution, based on them entering Confederation, it was in there. They promised this, and he felt strongly about making sure that they followed the the uh, the Constitution that they had agreed to, essentially. And uh, so that was the thing that really. Um, took over all of the oxygen in the room during his mm. uh, his term in office. Um, and then the other fun fact I found out about him was that he was one of the founders of the Canadian Press Association. Neat. So that's just an interesting Did he fact. own a newspaper like the others? Yes, he did. Uh, uh, he was a printer and editor of a newspaper. Uh-huh. Very <laughs> a lot good. Of pr- a lot of them had <laughs> as their um, occupation had something related to journalism as well. Some of them had lawyer and other, like there were a bunch that had a bunch of other different occupations. Um, they didn't mostly didn't have just one occupation, especially in the early days. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, so that was that guy, Mackenzie Bowell, who I thought was pretty interesting. I thought he would be more interesting, but he was pretty interesting. Interesting, really nice white beard. Looked like a little bit like Santa Claus. <laughs> he didn't look like Santa Claus, but the beard was like that. Which is interesting. Um, <laughs> I found out another fun fact about John Abbott, who was the only prime minister to have ever been a mayor. Oh. I would have thought there would have been a lot more. Yeah. But apparently there's only ever been one, and he was the mayor of Montreal. Wow. Before he went into federal politics. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Fun fact about Johnny McDonald. Well, you know why you know why some of these people weren't mayors because they were MPs from birth, right? Basically, yeah. Right, yeah. like Tupper was in, or uh, yeah, Tupper was in Parliament for such a long time. Jean Crenshaw was in Parliament since 1922 or something. No, I'm just kidding, but you know he <laughs> a was long time. he was Minister of Justice. He was Minister yeah. of uh, Indigenous Affairs as well. It wasn't called that at the time, but you know, yeah, forever in Trudeau's Parliament or cabinet. So. There's no room to be mayor when you're parliament. <laughs> you're exactly. going to parliament straight from high school, you know? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm very flippant about <laughs> our leaders. <laughs> and then I came across an interesting fact about Johnny McDonald's. Mm. There were so many. So, gonna, one interesting fact about This is about one Johnny I had McDonald's? never heard before. Right, okay. And it made me laugh. That's good. This yeah. is what the one that made me laugh out loud, yeah. actually, was that Johnny McDonald, this is the lamest fight ever. <laughs> John A. McDonald challenged another member of the United or of United Canada's Legislative Assembly. This was before yeah. the full Canada's Assembly. Yeah. And he accused reform member William Hume Blake, this is what the fight was all about, accused him of quoting passages from the Rebellion Losses Bill out of context. <laughs> so he called him up for a duel in 1849 <laughs> over quoting passages out of context. That okay, so that's that's definitely a uh, flashy move, uh, definitely a political move, right? And such like a goofy thing to do. But that reform bill was a hot right. potato, right? For sure, yeah, yeah. You know, some people talk about how like social uh, social services are the the third rail in politics, or yeah. you know that kind of thing. You never touch the third rail. Well, the reform bill. In that parliament in the 1840s, after the rebellions, was the third rail. And I think a lot of the time, McDonald's um, political strategy is often underestimated. He was a political animal. And so uh, what better, what's going to get press attention to somebody, you know, who he's not actually pissed off about the... (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, the quoting of the reform bill out of context, 
He just wants to get that member uh, in trouble for even talking about the reform bill at all and get that in the press. Right. So it wouldn't have mattered what that guy said. He probably pissed him off in some other way. Potentially. And the first thing to come out of his mouth was <laughs> going to be what the issue was going to be about. Right? That was the type of guy McDonald was. So the Speaker of the House <laughs> brought down the, um, uh, the, the, the argument House. by uh, calling them both in to the legislature and demanding that they keep the peace, essentially. Right. Yeah. But what made me laugh out loud was, and I know this totally didn't happen, but in my head, the cartoon visual of it would be <laughs> Johnny McDonald whips off his white glove, yeah. walks across the uh, the house, you know, between the two uh, the two aisles, walks across the aisle and smacks him across the face with his white glove. Oh, no. I'm sure that didn't happen, but yes, no. in my cartoon world, that would be what to... would uh, make me laugh about it. But it's like the most hilarious, like only in politics would this be something you'd call out someone for a duel on. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Now, that would have never happened in Parliament, though, because, of course, you know that the space between the two sides of the house are two sword lengths wide so yes. that your swords can't actually touch. And therefore, you can never be uh, accidentally roped into a sword fight. Uh, but also the sergeant at arms, I'm sure, would jump on top of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. You don't just walk across the aisle. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so not. that that was an interesting uh, thing. And then the other interesting fact I came up across was related to Thompson. Oh yeah, uh, that we were when you were talking about him earlier. Mm -hmm. So John David John Sparrow David Thompson, who was the uh, the name. fifth. I know his name has Sparrow in it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Great, yeah. uh, the fifth prime minister. Um, he was 47 years old, and he went to England to receive honors from the Queen, and. During the ceremony, there's a luncheon and all this, like he's having course, tea, essentially yeah. having tea with the queen and having getting these honors. During the ceremony, he fainted twice. Oh my gosh. And in the second time, he had a heart attack and died. Oh my. Like right there. <laughs> Weirdest fact ever. In front of the queen? I guess so. Oh my. And gosh. so his body laid in state in England. At the, after that, the Queen allowed his body to lay in state there before they sent him back to Canada. I did not know this. Yeah. We have to look at Queen Victoria's diary to see if That's she wrote That's true. That would be really interesting. That day. What day was that? That was... Um, he died right in the palace. I'm guessing it's uh, December 12th, 1894, because that's when his ministry ended. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Yeah. Strange. Holy moly. Uh, so then uh, that was most of the research I did, mostly fun facts about the history of prime ministers. Uh, and then I came across what I mentioned at the beginning, which was about the role of the prime minister not being defined, uh, which we've already talked yes. about, yeah. uh, and a little bit about the governor general. But uh, um, there's just so many directions you could go with this. And because it's people, there's always, always going to be interesting, fun facts or terrible um, things. Right. Like, we didn't even talk about the fact that uh, Wilfrid Laurier was um, well known for his shock of white hair, that when he walked across the quad, essentially, his yeah. hair would be, like, streaming behind him because it was kind of long in the back and puffy a little. And, uh, and his ability to get up in Parliament and to speak so lyrically, he was so well known for that, that he always wore a pin that was shaped like a horseshoe. Uh, that he wore it in his cravat, that Johnny McDonald was a fan of nice clothes and liked to be well-dressed. You know, yeah. we didn't talk about those quirky kind of facts about yeah, people. We haven't talked about sort of uh, like um, Kim Campbell and how she came about to be the first female prime minister. Right. Um, although her story is very famous. Uh, and or the treatment that she got. Also, all of these like, wild stories about uh, wild election stories are like how you lost the election would be yeah. really cool. And um, also even like just odd stories. Like, odd everybody stories, yeah. knows Mackenzie King Mackenzie was a King. very odd individual <laughs> and liked to speak with uh, the people in the other in the afterlife. And uh, so, you know, frequently consulted mediums over public policy all the time. Yeah. And then one fun fact I did come across uh, for Mackenzie uh, King was that he had uh, three, oh, I wrote it down, three Irish terriers. Yes. And they were all named Pat. 
I mean, that's easy. It wasn't even, well, I guess it was probably Pat 1, Pat 2, Pat 3, but he, uh, but they were all named Pat. I guess you don't have to worry about what your dog's name was. But it's always going to be Pat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he also consulted with his dead pets yeah. uh, through and mediums. Mother, right? And his mother, yes. Yeah. He was very close to his mother. And yeah. uh, um, so... It's just some quirkiness about, especially older, yeah. the early, earlier prime ministers, sure. there always seems to be lots of quirkiness about them. But I'm sure if we were to go back and look at anybody, there's quirkiness about yeah. everybody's life. And, and two things, like, especially before they came, became prime minister, yeah. because there's not a lot of media space for uh, anybody other than the prime minister. So you don't see these people, you don't get to know them yeah. until they're like running for office. Right. And so you don't know anything about like uh, about their youth, you yeah. know, and, and unless there's some like unless they're like Justin Trudeau, who already grew up in the spotlight. We know lots about him, but like, you know, Borden, what was Borden like as yeah. a kid? You know, like that would be a really interesting. We know everything about Borden from the day he took office. Yeah. But what was he like earlier than that? You know, and uh, those would be really interesting stories to hear about what they were like before and maybe even after office, too. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my research. That's where it took me. Amazing. Strange. That was but... a good chat. I thought we would get way more political. <laughs> I'm kind of glad we didn't get like political political. So that was, uh, but still really interesting. It just goes to show too that like not everything has to be so um, confrontational, I guess, about it's true. all of these different people. Oh, I forgot. I did come up with an interesting political, well, it's not really oh. a political fact, but it's an interesting fact just about political parties in general. Oh, Hold yeah. on. I wrote it down. Um, I just think a lot of the times too that like the like the individuals are forgotten about and they're they're sort of when they're prime minister they're like not an individual they're the leader of their government and you know which is fine and they stand for all the policies that they do but we often like disassociate them from being human yeah you know interesting fact was the name of the political parties in oh, the early days of course yes so We're all over the place the original conservative party of canada was the liberal conservative party and that's confusing which is beyond crazy. confusing and yeah. then there was also the liberal party <laughs> they didn't change that until 1942 the liberal so conservative technically party? they were still the, they didn't use it oh, as okay. much but it was still that until 1942 when they became the progressive, progressive conservatives yeah. of yeah. canada yeah so <laughs> And then the other interesting fun fact was that um, Arthur Meehan was the first prime minister to be born after Confederation. Cool. Yeah, that was a cool fact. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, now I'm like on about more stuff. No, no, that's great. Anyway, those are th that's really where I went. I And I didn't go political because I thought that the quirkiness of people is way more interesting. Oh, for sure. Yep. Agreed. That was fun. Thanks. That was fun. <laughs> Thanks for coming down the rabbit hole with us. Make sure to subscribe to One Hour in the Past and the museum's other podcast, Museum Chat Live, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Podcasts so you don't miss any of our historical adventures. We're always looking for ideas to spend one hour in the past researching. If you have a topic you'd like to see us tackle, connect with us at www.facebook.com slash St. Catherine's Museum or at STC Museum on Twitter and Instagram. We're looking forward to chatting with you all again on our next episode of One Hour in the Past. Tune in next time for our rabbit hole research of maps and mapping. One Hour in the Past is produced by us, Kathleen Powell and Adrian Petrie, and brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre and the City of St. Catharines.